Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film, and this year's podcast media partner for the Dead Center 2023 Film Festival. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're taking a look at the film that actually opened this year's festival, Black Barbie, a documentary. So we're going to kick things off by talking with the film's director about what makes Barbie such a powerful icon before talking a little bit more about how she unearthed some of the stories behind the history of Black Barbie through her incredible access to some industry change makers. And then we'll close out the show by learning a little bit more about when you can watch Black Barbie, a documentary, following this year's festival. Before we get into today's conversation, listeners, just wanted to note that if you are enjoying the conversation, please make sure to subscribe and rate and review the show, especially if you want to keep up with all of our exclusive Dead Center conversations. The best way to have them delivered directly to your ears is by heading over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow or subscribe button. Let's get to the movie. So according to a shortened version of the description from the Dead Center website, Black Barbie, a documentary, is described as lover or hate her. Everyone has a Barbie story. For filmmaker Legeria Davis, it all started with her 83-year-old Aunt Beulah asking a seemingly simple question, why not make a Barbie that looks like me? So Black Barbie is a personal exploration that tells the richly archival story of Beulah, who spent 45 years working at Mattel. Legeria Davis, the film's writer and director, Welcome to the show. Hey, Caleb. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, well, or just like me. <laughs> well, I And mean, our film. Well, hey, thank you for bringing your film to Dead Center. Uh, I caught it last night, and uh, when my fiancé came, and we were at the opening night film and said, hey, we got to check this out. I think just stories about representation are just really important, and I was curious. And what I was not expecting was to laugh so hard. <laughs> it was a fun time. <laughs> so uh, I want to just talk a little bit about Barbie for a second because uh, it's in the zeitgeist right now, right? Yeah. She's in the zeitgeist. Uh, we've got a you know, new movie coming out this year. And I wanted to get your take. I mean, what do you think makes right now the time to dig into this largely, I'd say largely unknown or at least unexplored history of Black Barbie? Any time is a great time. It just so happened that the universe timed it for what I've been calling like the year of Barbie. And it's so amazing to be able to have um, our film be able to like explore and talk about Black Barbie's story because she does have one. And kind of stumbling upon this project, I was shocked and didn't know that Black Barbie even existed, that she had a story. And so for me, that made it so important to tell my aunt's story and how that kind of was the springboard, her being one of the first Black women in their corporate offices, um, paving the way, and why it means so much today. Like you said, it's in the zeitgeist. And... Sometimes the universe aligns in a way that I feel like it makes sense because we can, like you said, you laughed a lot. So, you know, we've made a a fun film um, and we can be counter programming, sidecar programming and additive to the conversation. It's great timing. And and in fact, I'm more excited that I saw Black Barbie documentary before the Barbie movie that's coming out later this summer, because I think... It's, it's really going to make me look at that movie through a totally different lens, straight up. So, I, I great. Universal lines, strategic timing, whatever it is, congratulations on seemingly perfect release. 
amazing. And I love that little Freudian slip there with the Black Barbie movie. I'm here for that. Let's also think in terms of... Spinoffs, baby. Come on. Yeah, what the universe can cook up on that front. Absolutely. Well, hey, if it's a hit, representation is central to, to the film's story. And you dig into the power of representation through culture. Why do you think that the release of Black Barbie was so groundbreaking at that time? You know, I think um, I always kind of say my aunt is the key and Black Barbie is the door in which we walk in to kind of explore these um, deeper themes of representation and how it relates to black women. And, you know, I think that through line when you watch the film and you see... um, I think the phrase like representation matters is something that is almost throwaway these days. We don't really have a, a clear understanding of what that means and what that looks like in a very authentic way. And um, that was one of the things as I started to you know, do the research that struck me so profoundly is that through line of representation working at its strongest and most powerful in this story. And it wasn't something that was curated by a DEI officer or it wasn't something that was performative. It was something that was real and grounded from my aunt to Kitty Black Perkins, who came in in 1976, the first black woman designer hired at Mattel, who would then, four years later, see her creation, Black Barbie, released to the market. And the press and media that went into her career as a designer influencing her protege, Stacy who would then design the 30th anniversary. And, you know, Stacy talks about seeing kitty in the the newspaper and the articles and so I was like this is a clear line of what representation matters looks like this is how it matters I mean there were several moments in the film that really stuck out to me but it was the idea that had there not been a senior person hired to design black barbie there more than likely would not have been women of color black women who got hired at even lower levels. So um, I, I think that really just spoke to the, the, the importance of leadership and, and having these people in powerful positions to make these sorts of calls. Right. And so that is definitely the springboard in the sense of we saw how my aunt was able to work her way from the assembly line, like she was on that first Barbie line, into the corporate offices and could only maneuver so far. But... You know, as you watch the film, you understand what it meant for her to be in the space so that that could facilitate Kitty Black Perkins in a leadership um, position being in the space. And then what she was able to do in hiring Stacey McBride Irby and Thomas Quinn, two, you know, black designers, one black man, one a black woman, and be able to start to build out, you know, the, as they say, the team. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and produce dolls and culture and imagery. You, you know, just really, I think, showcasing, again, some of the interviews. I'm not trying to spoil the film, but there's just moments where 
a lot of these women didn't feel like there they were there were things they didn't think they could do until they saw Black Barbie do it. And uh, I think that's just probably a detail a lot of people walk around every day not even considering that uh, that was a massively impactful decision for a whole world of people. Right. I mean, you're. Oh, you grad, right? Yes. So I have to ask, how did your experience living in Oklahoma inform how you think about representation and, and culture in the media? You know, I think it's a really interesting, it feels very full circle right now being at Dead Center um, with this particular film. Um, and I can see the progress and the growth. And so it, it's one of those things where um, I actually enjoyed my time at OU and in Oklahoma um, and was here man gonna date myself even more but like you know from 1996 to 2011 with you know a few summers here and there where I took off to be somewhere else you know um, the college life but um, seeing now coming back um, I will say that you know at some point in time you know, as far as representation goes, being a, a, a black queer woman, you know, I felt like the I needed to explore a little further than Oklahoma and now am based in Los Angeles. But coming back to Dead Center now and seeing how the conversation has shifted and the growth um, and... You know, I think that just speaks to a lot of themes that, you know, we explore within um, Black Barbie. I love how you point out that it's full circle because you moved out to L.A. From what I could tell from the documentary, it didn't sound like you moved to L.A. to make this documentary. No. So you're you're living with your Aunt Beulah, Mm -hmm. right? And then you see the dolls. And again, this is all set up in the film, so don't go too far. But I, I am curious, at what point living with your aunt did you decide, hey... There's a story here, and I need to explore that on film. Yes, I remember it so clearly because um, that's another theme. There's so, just the the film just has so many like layers. It's like the peeling of the onion in the sense of being an intergenerational story as well. And so, not really having had that kind of conversation with my aunt prior to living with her, right? And so clearly, I just remember her trying to connect with me. And one night she's like, you drink? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, come on, let's sit down. She got some snacks. She poured the only thing she had in her apartment, Manischewitz. And I was like, okay, I don't really drink this. It's a little sweet. I don't like sweet, but I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sip and we're going to snack and we're going to get to know each other. And that's when, you know, she was just like, I was on that first Barbie line in 59. And, you know, of course, I do the little head cock thing like, you don't say. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And then she's like, and I was like, hmm, well, why not make Barbie that looks like me? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, and so then we wanted a black Barbie. And that was the the turning point for me. That was the moment. And I was just like, you know I'm a filmmaker, right? (laughs) (laughs) Can I record this conversation? Exactly. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And it was just kind of a mind-blowing experience because I had no idea that, one, Black Barbie existed. That I knew that there were Black Barbies 
you know, but I didn't know the history of what it was like before her. Right. You probably didn't imagine a world where there wasn't a black Barbie, right? I, it didn't occur to me because of how we set up the film. I'm not really in the doll world, so I can't really um, believe my life right now that I'm so dialed into this um, Barbie-verse and these dolls as much as I am at this point. But yes, um, I didn't know that Black Barbie existed. I didn't know that she had a story. And that perplexed me in thinking that maybe I'm not the only one. A lot of people out there who aren't the only one. Uh, again, it's something else you hit on. You talk about the, the multi-generational. And I, you know, I think this is a, said as a detail as part of a larger kind of idea you guys are communicating. But the idea that the generations that come after often take for granted or don't even realize that there's a lot of privileges or just things that exist that other people had to work very hard on. And we take those moments for granted. And uh, I, th- I think, again, Black Barbie is another one where you're just like, well, yeah, there's always been a Black Barbie. Right. No, no, there hasn't. And right. the world was a, was not as, it was a worse place for it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you have some incredible interviews. You've already mentioned a couple of the, the folks, uh, I mean, including Kitty Black Perkins, again, who designed the original Black Barbie. She is the original designer. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say you learned from interviewing some of these women who changed the game for Barbie? You know, I learned that it's, and what is communicated in the film is being able to sit at this table you know, and seeing a need, you know, and being comfortable at the table enough to be able to be vocal about this need and assembling. And, you know, we don't dive into how much the the people on the other side of the table were uh, or around the table were receptive to this you know it took four years since you know kitty's hiring to the release of black barbie and 21 years from the origination of barbie in 59 before we saw the first black barbie and so how receptive they were to her being vocal about this being a need Um, And so then she assembles a team of the, you know, people of color Mm -hmm. who are listening and can see the importance and want to be a part of this. And so um, I think for me, those were that theme just resonated so much for me because in thinking in terms of what's important to me may not be important to you, um, but what is important is that we see and hear each other um, and being afforded the opportunity to have what's important to me be bit, um, come to fruition and to be valid, dated, um, valued, um, all of those things. Well, I think that's well said. Uh, anything, I, I think listening and empathy go a long way, right? And I think right. these are ideas that you... You know, detail sometimes textually and also subtextually in the film. So, from your perspective, what does Black Barbie and what she represents mean to children going up today, the year 2023? You know, I think what's so 
amazing about the film. So, you know, we do get the opportunity to sit down with some children. And what's amazing about where we are right now with the dolls are, you know, kudos. They are so inclusive and every year... um, Speaking specifically to Mattel, they, you know, really go, you know, there. They, It's not going to take 21 years to see a non-binary Barbie. Like, we have that. It's not going to take, you know, um, from the term non-binary coming into existence and being defined, we now have one. Like, it didn't take that 21 years, you know. And so I feel like with these kids today... That is such a plus and such a win. But then, you know, Barbie is a verse. It's a Barbie verse that includes a vlog, um, movies, television series. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, as we pointed out in the film, that is where a lot of the work is still needed to be more authentically and more intentionally. That's another theme that we really focus on as well. Having more people of color behind the camera, behind the scenes, and in front of and the camera. Yes, in a real, very intentional, authentic way where our voices aren't curated to be palatable or to, you know, sustain and perpetuate a certain narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I, mean, I could talk with you uh, for quite a bit longer. I, just, I'm, I think this is such a, an important subject, and I, and I hope that our listeners will make a point to go see it. Are there any other film festivals you can talk about today or maybe a website people can go to to keep up with the film? Um, yes, you can um, visit with us at blackbarbiefilm.com, and we're on Twitter. It's at blackbarbiefilm, and then also you can follow me. I'll post, you know, where we're going to be screening at, um, and that's just like at Legeria Davis um, on IG, Twitter. And um, yeah, right now we'll be at um, Sunday. We'll be playing at Southern Fried Film Festival, nice. Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, Huntsville, I got some relatives that stones their way to Decatur. That's a great, great place for this documentary. Yes, yes, yes. And then next week, Miami at the American Black Film Festival, and then Bentonville, Arkansas, yeah. will be there next, next door week. Neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Let's just say the the credits are, are rolling. Mm-hmm. What is the sort of the experience that you hope people take away from this movie or, or ideas they take away from this film? I hope that they just want to talk about some of the things that, you know, resonated with them and talk about it in a real way and think in terms of what they can do just within their daily life to, um, like, address some of those themes it's hard for me to you know want to impose on what I'd like the audience to take away from it um, because I do feel like it's layered and nuanced Um, I love to hear the feedback about what did resonate for people and since you know I talk about it being like a monolithic experience and it's subjective and so I would love to hear what your lens you know looking at it from your perspective and like you said you're going to carry that into the Barbie film and I think that for me is just very fascinating and could be impactful on the smallest of levels in interactions in people's daily lives. I think so even just uh, like you say 
if we if you watch this documentary and you're watching other forms of media, especially a movie that's actually called Barbie, it's just you can't look at it the same way. You know, uh, it, it really shapes. So, congratulations on the the release of the film and the success you're seeing. Lajeria Davis, thank you so much for joining the Cinemax Mac today. All right, thank you so much for having us and talking about our film. Absolutely. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, again, if you want to keep up with more exclusive Dead Center Film Festival conversations, make sure you're subscribed on all of your preferred podcast apps. We'll catch you again next time. Mm-hmm.